You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Hey, today we're starting a new series called In the Heights based on the New Testament book of Colossians. No, I'm not going to be singing hit songs from the musical. I will let the worship team do the singing. But I do know someone who does sing the songs from the musical. And I thought you guys would enjoy this special video greeting. So check this out. Hi, Redemption. My name is Gabrielle Ruiz. Jeremy asked me to be a part of your new sermon series Sunday launch uh, in the Heights. I was an original cast member of the Broadway production and... um, It was such a life-changing moment. I am so glad that he asked me. And how do we know each other? Well, my sister is married to Amy's brother, so we are family. I have fond memories of Jeremy and Amy and the boys actually um, visiting me in Queens where I lived when I was living in New York. Uh, And we were talking about redemption and them joining your community. So um, I am able to catch your live stream during um, the quarantine. So um, just love you guys from afar in LA. So excited about your new sermon series, In the Heights. Again, like I was part of the company, so just a fun like connection that we have. But the the idea of a higher view of Jesus for a new perspective on life is like so, it resonates so much with me because I, God always shows me that um, his plans for me are far more fun than the plans I have for myself. So to be able to have that perspective on him already sets that tone to accept what he has in store for us. And it's kind of a relief. So to not put so much pressure that I need to plan it all and make it all happen. You know, God is in control. So I'm excited about this series. I hope to catch it on the live stream. And I hope you guys have a wonderful, blessed summer and stay safe. Well, thanks, Gabby. I thought you guys would enjoy that. Not only is she a great actress, but that's some pretty good preaching too. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be studying the New Testament book of Colossians And uh, here's the question. Do you ever feel like you could use a fresh perspective in life? Like you you need to get on an airplane and and go somewhere new. Maybe you need to hike up a mountain and and get that view or, or read a new book. Sometimes a shift in perspective changes everything. You know, in the Broadway show and now hit movie, In the Heights, the main character is Navi de la Vega, is the owner of a small bodega in Washington Heights, Manhattan, and he dreams of getting out of the Heights and returning to his home country of the Dominican Republic. Shout out to the Dominicans in our church. And uh, through a series of events, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen the show or watched the movie, through a series of events, he experiences this blackout in the city. They lose electricity, and he loses his abuela, this grandmother figure in his life, and the girl who he has feelings for finally returns his feelings through all of these events, he experiences a shift in perspective and he realizes that Washington Heights really is his true home and he decides to stay. Here's the point. Sometimes a shift in perspective is exactly what we need. And maybe you're watching today and and you need some fresh perspective because you don't feel as close to God as you used to. You might say, Pastor Jeremy, I used to feel so close to God, and now he, he seems distant. You know, I've been busy, and I haven't had time to read my Bible or, or pray, and God feels so far away. Maybe you've experienced some difficulties, some setbacks, and you're wondering, does this faith thing even work? Uh, maybe you found yourself chasing after something that you thought was going to be fulfilling, but it didn't work out. 
we all have seasons in life where we just need to, to get refocused and, and find our way. And wherever you are right now in, in your spiritual journey, what all of us need is a fresh perspective of Jesus. When you come to see Jesus for who he is and, and you give him his rightful place in your life, you're able to soar to new heights spiritually. Come on, church. That's what we want. We want to get, we want to get Jesus in, in the heights, in the heights of our view, in the heights of our hearts so that we can, we can grow spiritually and soar to new heights in our walk with him. And so over the next few weeks, here's our prayer. We, we want to get a fresh perspective of Jesus to see him for who he, he really is. Because if he really is who he said he is, who he said he was, then that changes everything. If, if Jesus really is who we claim to believe he is, think about it, that really changes everything in, in our lives. And so we wanna get our eyes on him. And so let me encourage you how to get the most out of the series. First of all, I wanna invite you to read along with us. Some of you have never read uh, the, the book of Colossians. Maybe you've never read a whole book of the Bible before. This is gonna be your opportunity. Some of you parents, your kids have summer reading. Well, this is your summer reading. So each week we're gonna have portions of Colossians that we're gonna read together. I also wanna encourage you to stay connected. We're gonna be back in person next week at our new space at 181 Westchester Ave. We're so excited. We wanna see you. But if you're gonna be traveling for the next few weeks for vacation or if online is your campus, stay connected. Um, if you have to, to miss because you're traveling, listen to the podcast, watch on YouTube. And then maybe, here's the third idea, some of you might even wanna do a reading plan in the YouVersion Bible app. There's several plans for Colossians. So there's a few ideas for you to get the most out of this series. So today we're going to cover Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. So your homework, your reading assignment for this week is to read the rest of Colossians chapter 1. You got it? Finish out Colossians chapter 1. All right, let me give you a little background here and set this up for you. So the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. It's what we call an epistle. It's a letter, and he most likely wrote Colossians from house arrest in Rome. This is what we call one of the prison epistles. And Paul wrote this to a Roman city, uh, the Roman city of Colossae in Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. So Paul didn't start this church. The church was actually started at least in part by a missionary named Epaphras, um, who was converted by Paul. Paul won him to Jesus, and he took the gospel to Colossae. Now later on, the church became the target of an attack, some false teaching. And so Epaphras goes back to his spiritual father, Paul, in Rome, and he informs Paul of what's going on. And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossians. All right, so let me ask you this. Have you ever been with someone when they were on a phone call and you were trying to piece together like what the conversation was about just by listening to one side of the conversation. And it's amazing, right? Sometimes you can figure out exactly who the other person is talking to and what the conversation is about. Sometimes you, you have no idea what's going on. Well, this is exactly what we get to do today by reading Paul's epistle to the Colossians. It's a letter. And from this letter, we can listen in from one side of the conversation and we can learn what was going on. Now, we can't know all of the details, but the Holy Spirit preserved this letter for a reason. And if we lean in, I really believe he has something that he wants to say to us. So let's get right into it. We're going to pick it up. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses together from the NIV. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ. Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Verse 3, 
We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Look at verse 7 and 8. You learned it from Epaphras. There's Epaphras that we talked about. Our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of, on, uh, of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul, in the opening of his letter, he brags on the Colossians for their, their faith and their love. They had a reputation for their faith and love, and it had reached Paul's ears all the way in Rome. Come on, how many of you would like to be known for your faith and love? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a great reputation that when people think of you, they think, man, what a faithful person. What a loving person. How many would love to have that as your reputation? The question is, how do we do it? Like, what's, what's the source, right? Well, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the source of the Colossians' faith and love in verse 5. Let's look at it. Paul says, I've heard of the faith and love. I've heard of your faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Here's the idea, church. It's a sure hope. It's a sure hope that's the source of faith and love. If Christians are, are anything, we're people of hope. Come on, if Christians should be known for anything, we should be known for our, our hope. What kind of hope are we talking about? I want to give you a few ideas today, and you can put these in your note, okay? Th your notes, three ideas about hope. Here's the first one, number one. We have a hope that is secure. Church, we have a hope that's secure. Paul says, when he describes the Colossians' hope, he says it's a hope that's secured because it's stored where? It's stored in heaven. It's stored up in heaven. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says it's a confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. It's secure. Now, often when we use the word hope, we use it to express, express wishful thinking. You know, oh, I hope it's not going to rain today. Or I hope this person's going to text me back. Or I hope the Jets win the Super Bowl this year. Good luck with that one. <laughs> we often use it to express wishful thinking, but that's not the biblical idea of hope. The biblical idea of hope isn't wishful thinking. It's confident expectation. It's confident expectation. It's the kind of hope that we would expect of Christians who actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That was the source of the hope of the Colossians. They had heard the gospel and truly believed that Jesus lived, that he died for their sins on the cross, and he had resurrected and he was alive. That's the kind of hope we're talking about. We have a hope that, that's secure because it's based on what God has accomplished for us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not a hope in something temporary. It's not a hope in something that can be taken from us. We have all misplaced our hope at times. Come on, every one of us, we've placed our hopes in something that, that didn't, didn't work out, a job, a relationship. I had hoped that this job was going to be my, my dream job, but it didn't turn out this way. I, I had hoped that he was going to be the one. Come on, ladies. I had hoped he was going to be the one. His dating profile made him sound so wonderful, but it didn't quite work out that way. We've all misplaced our hope before. But let me encourage you today. If your hope is in Jesus, your hope is well placed. Come on, nothing can steal your, your hope because it's secure. You, you need to know this. You need to know this because we, we live in a world where things will come along and try to steal your hope. Come on, your circumstances will try 
try to steal your hope. Your feelings at times will come along and try to steal your hope. But if your hope is in Jesus, it's a confident expectation of who Jesus is and the promise that, that awaits us. So it, it's not tied to our circumstances. It's not tied to, to our, our, our feelings. It, it, it's secure. So if my bank account is full or if my bank account is empty, I can have hope. Come on, if I'm in good health or I'm in less than good health, I, I can have hope. If I'm working my dream job or if I'm in a dead-end job, I, I can have hope. If I'm in the perfect relationship or if I'm in the real-world relationship that I find myself in right now, I can have hope. Your hope, if it's in Jesus, is secure. What kind of hope is it? Number two, we have a hope that's based in truth. Not only is it secure, but it's based in truth. Look at verse 5 again. Paul talks about their faith. He says, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Now notice this, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. The true message of the gospel. So we have a hope that's based in truth. Now remember what I said earlier about listening in on someone's phone call, right, and trying to piece together what the conversation is about. Well, we're starting to get some idea here of what this conversation between Paul and the Colossians is really about. And see, what happens here is, is Paul's writing to the, the, the Colossians, and he wanted to remind them to hold on to the truth of the gospel because there were some people around them who were trying to influence them with, with a philosophy. We'll call it a certain philosophy that was causing them to have doubts in, in Jesus, that Jesus was sufficient, that, that, that their faith in Jesus alone was, was enough. And so Paul wanted to remind them to hold on to the truth. And this is really just like the culture we're living in today. We're living in a, in a culture where truth is becoming more and more relative. You know, there's this saying, right, speak your truth. Speak your truth. Like what's true for you is your truth and my truth is my truth. And truth is, is, is relative. And, and, and that seems really like in right now. That seems really like, you know, sensitive and tolerant. But here's, here's the truth. That's all well and great until somebody says something that we all know is not true. Like my race is better than yours, right? Like all of a sudden, wait, wait, no, that's not true. Our culture has a real problem with that. Because here's the reality. Every one of us, we're, we're basing our truth on some set of objectives, we're all measuring our truth based on some, some objective. And here's the reality. A lot of people are actually basing their truth on the teachings of Jesus, and they don't even realize it. People use sayings like, you know, the good Samaritan or turn the other cheek. Well, guess what? Those are all teachings of Jesus. And so we live in a culture that oftentimes uses the teachings of Jesus as a basis of truth and doesn't even give Jesus credit. Come on, church. we got to lean into the truth of who Jesus is. we got to be confident that we have absolute truth, and it's found in the Word of God and the person of Jesus. Because without realizing it, we can allow this culture to kind of affect us to where we almost find ourselves apologizing for our faith, apologizing for the fact that we can actually know truth with some certainty. Now, that doesn't mean we become prideful. That doesn't mean we start talking down to everyone like we have it all figured out. But we need to know that our faith and our hope, it's anchored in the truth of who Jesus is. Let me just encourage you today. The most convincing evidence that we have as believers is the life of Jesus, his teachings, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, as well as the witness of other believers. That's the most convincing evidence we have. You know, in Paul's time, as he was writing to the Colossians, the Colossians, they were living in a pagan culture. They were living in this Greco-Roman world where there were countless gods, countless deities. Do you remember studying Greek mythology in junior high? There they were countless philosophies out there. 
But two things made a really big impact on, on the Colossians and on the culture. People heard and experienced the truth of Jesus. People heard the gospel proclaimed and they believed the truth in the message of Jesus Christ. They often saw it demonstrated in, in healing and freedom and, and the reality of the power of the message of Jesus. Here's the other thing. They saw this truth lived out in the lives of other Christians. They saw how the Christians of the time cared for the poor, cared for the sick, cared for abandoned babies. Christians were famous for this. They saw the example of radical generosity, how Christians cared for each other and people around them. Radical sexual integrity in a culture where everybody was doing whatever they wanted to do with anybody. These Christians were chaste and committed to, to sexual integrity within the bonds of marriage. They saw the, the, the uh, radical unity across ethnic lines and it made an impact on them. All of these, these pagans who were following all of these gods, they, they saw the lives of these, of these Christians. And so it began to influence places like Colossae. And the gospel began to grow until eventually, we know from history, Christianity saturated the godless Roman Empire. Come on, church, I want you to know this today. What we think about Jesus matters. I'm going to say that to you again. What we think about Jesus matters. If we paint Jesus as anything less than who he is, not only does our theology slip but we fail to fully experience the life that he offers us. And I know today we have some people who are watching and maybe somebody invited you to check out this, this broadcast and to check out our church and maybe you're not quite sure what you think about all of this. I wanna encourage you, go on this journey with us over the next few weeks as we look at the person of Jesus. If you wanna find out more about Christianity, you gotta study the life of Jesus because Christianity is more than just a set of principles or a set of religious tenets. At the very center of Christianity is the person of Jesus. And what we think about him makes all the difference. And so I want to encourage you, those of you who are followers of Jesus, fall in love with the person of Jesus all over again. Come on, crack your Bible open. Get into the Gospels. Read about the life of Jesus. Read about the teachings of Jesus. Read about the, how he showed us the way to the Father, how he taught things that nobody had ever heard before. Notice the way he treated people. Notice the way he, he loved people. And can I encourage you to do something else? Get around some other people who have, who have been changed by the love of Jesus. Come on, two of the most powerful things, the life of Jesus and God's people. Get around s some believers. We, we have a gospel that, that's true, and the best evidence is changed lives. I was recently talking to somebody about faith, and, and this person was telling me, you know, I believe Jesus was a great teacher, and, and I believe Jesus changed the world, and I believe it was a miracle worker, but I'm still trying to figure out that part about Jesus as Savior. That's the part I'm kind of hung up on. And, and I didn't preach to this person. Here's what I told them. I said, you know, as a pastor, I have my moments where I have questions too. Come on, I've studied theology, and I've asked all the hard questions, but here's what I told this person. I said, the most convincing evidence I find is I see how Jesus changes people's lives. I see how he heals people. I see how he, he changes people's lives and gives them a completely new future. And that's what convinces me more than anything else. And so we got to hold on to that church. Here's the third idea. We have a hope that bears fruit. What kind of hope do we have? Our love and our faith springs forth from a hope that bears fruit. Let's look at this. Colossians 1, 5 through 6. Paul says, I've heard about the faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven. He's bragging on the Colossians. And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it 
and truly understood God's grace. Like since the day Epaphras brought the gospel to you and you first placed your faith in Jesus and a church began to grow right there in, in Colossae, just like it's growing here in Westchester. Paul, Paul says it's a hope that bears fruit. He says that the hope expressed in the gospel, that just simply means the good news of Jesus, that we have a Savior, Jesus, who did for us what we could not do for ourselves, who lived a perfect, sinless life on our behalf, went to the cross, paid for our sins, was resurrected and conquered death so we could have new life. He says there's, there's a, the hope that's expressed in the good news of the gospel is bearing fruit among you. In other words, it's getting results. It's getting results. You're making, you're making progress. And can I just encourage you this morning, church, every now and then, you've you got to stop and see just how far you've come. You need to see just how far you've come. What happens is, is sometimes we get tunnel vision. Come on, how many of you know, sometimes we get so laser focused on like where we are right now in life that we get frustrated by our lack of progress. How many of you wish sometimes that you were further along in life? How many of you ever find yourself saying, I wish I was further along in my career. I thought I'd be further along in my finances by now. I thought I'd, I would have found that, that someone I want to spend the rest of, of my life with or that my marriage would be, would be better by now. Come on, anybody ever feel that way? I thought I'd be further along. And I know we all feel that way spiritually, right? Anybody ever feel like, oh, I pray so much. I'm so close to God. I don't know what to do with myself. No, most of us would say, like, I want to be further along in, in, in my walk with, with Christ. And what happens is we get tunnel vision and, and we, we get so frustrated by our lack of progress that we're tempted to throw in the towel and, and give up. Here's the problem. What we need to do is, is we need to zoom out. We need to recognize how far we've come. Every now and then, you got to stop and step back and look at just how far you've come. So I, every now and then, run uh, at the Kensico Dam, not far from my house here in Westchester. And I run the steps that go up to the top of the dam. If you've ever run them or walked them, it's a, it's a pretty good exercise. And sometimes I kind of get halfway up those steps, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this hurts. This isn't any fun. Like, I don't have to do this, right? But a lot of times I'll turn back, and I'll look and see how far I've come. And it gives me a little motivation to finish out that steps. Instead, those steps. Instead of focusing on how far I still have to go and, and how little progress I'm making one step at a time and how bad my thighs are burning, right, and my glutes are burning, I look back and I look at just how far I've come, and it gives me a little bit of encouragement. Can I just tell you this? Sadly, I see this happen in church sometimes to, to people. I see people come and, and they get involved in, in church for about two to three years, and, and uh, I see people join the church, and and, and become a part of the church family, and they get baptized sometimes, and they start serving on a team, or they join a life group, and like everybody who's watched their journey, we can see the change that happens in their lives. But here's what I see, about two or three years in, they get a little bit burnt out. Like sometimes they kind of get spiritually frustrated. Like, you know, I, I thought I'd be further along by now, magically. Like, Pastor Jeremy, you, you mean it's like, it's one day at a time? Like it's every seven days back in church, it's read your Bible every day, it's, it's pursue a relationship with God like every day. Like I, I kind of thought magically I'd be further along. And what happens is be, because they get tunnel vision, they get a little bit frustrated and they throw in the towel and they quit. Or they just go join some other church thinking that, you know, that's what I need, a fresh start somewhere and they kind of start all over again. And it makes me, it makes me so, so sad. What I want to say to them is look how far you've come. Like don't give up now. Like we can all see just how far you've come, if you would just remember like where you were the first day you walked in this church. Like don't throw in the towel. You, you've come so far. Don't quit now. John Newton, the, the famous British pastor who was a slave ship captain turned abolitionist said this, 
I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I one day will be. But by the grace of God, I am not what I once was. Come on, how many of you can say that? I'm not exactly as far along as I want to be. I'm a work in progress. But thank you, Jesus, by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. Come on, church, let me encourage you. You may have a ways to go. You're a work in progress, but you've gotten farther than you realize. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Stop and smell the roses and get a little perspective. Look at just how far you've come and remember the progress you've made since day one. We have a hope that bears fruit. And so as we close in the next few verses, Paul goes on to describe how he prays for the Colossians. And I want us to close by looking at this prayer. You know, whenever I see a prayer in Scripture, I know that's a prayer worth praying. Come on, how many of you know that if you want to pray according to the will of God, the will of God is found in the Word of God. So if you want to pray according to the will of God, get your nose in the Word of God and pray prayers that are inspired by the Word of God. And so whenever you come across a prayer like we're about to read, that's really good prayer material for you when you find a prayer in Scripture. Because if the Apostle Paul prayed it for the Colossians, it's good enough for me. And so let's grab this prayer and make it ours, okay? We're going to look at verses 9 through 13. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this with me. Would you read this out loud with me wherever you are in your living room right now, watching this on YouTube, in the grocery store? Just read it out loud. People might think you're crazy. It's all good. Read this out loud with me. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Come on, this is what Paul's writing to them as a spiritual father. Can I just tell you, I feel this way as your pastor. Haven't stopped praying for you since the day I met you and heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. How many of you could use spiritual wisdom and understanding? Verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Come on, read this with me, verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on, church, that is a powerful prayer. And I want to encourage you, why don't you take that prayer this week and, and let that be your prayer. Why, why don't you pray that prayer over yourself, over your family. Church, church I pray that, that God will give you the knowledge of his will. Come on, how many of you want to hear clearly from God? You, you want to know God's will for your life. I pray that God speaks to you. Come on, spiritual wisdom for what, for what you need. You know, the Bible says if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. What are the decisions you're facing right now in life? I pray that God gives you spiritual wisdom, that your life would honor and please him, bearing good fruit, and that, that you'll be strengthened to have all of the endurance and patience that you need. Church, whatever you're facing this week, whatever your circumstances are, whatever your challenges are, I pray that God will give you everything you need so that you can give thanks to our good God. Come on, let's make that our prayer this week and over the next few weeks. And here's what I want to encourage you to do as we get into the book of Colossians over the next few weeks. Come on, let's get our eyes focused on Jesus. Come on, if we really believe that Jesus is who, who we 
profess he is, who we proclaim to believe that he is the son of God, then that changes everything. And it doesn't matter where you are. Here's, here's what I know. Here's what all of us could use. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, a fresh glimpse of Jesus, a fresh refocus on Jesus, who he is and the work that he wants to do in, in our lives. Let's see him for who he is so we can embrace all that he wants to do in our lives. Would you pray with me? Come on, let's pray together right now. If you want that, just agree with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you speak to us, even as we read this letter written thousands of years ago, that you take it and you make it come alive and it's relevant to our lives. And Jesus, today we choose to focus on you. We get our eyes focused on you. We want a higher view of who you are so we can have a fresh perspective on life. Lord, forgive us for, for doubting. Forgive us for, for uh, forgetting that, that you are exactly who you, who you said you are, the Son of God, that you're good, that you're powerful and you're faithful. And we choose to focus our minds and our eyes and our hearts on you. Jesus, we lift our eyes to you. We get you in the heights of our hearts and our minds to your rightful place in our lives so that we can embrace everything that you have for us. Do a work in us, I pray. Father, I pray for the person who's watching this today who feels far away from you, that they would just simply pray a simple prayer. Jesus, make yourself real to me. Draw, draw me closer to you. And Lord, I know that as they pray that prayer, you'll do that in their lives. Do it for all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.